so often we set goals based off of what we think society says we should have or what our mentor or boss or whatever tells us or our parents or whatever. And if that isn't really in our hearts, it's not really what we want. We're never going to get there because we're never going to work hard enough. Welcome to the Business of Sales podcast. I'm your host, Morris Sims. Hey, do you ever feel like you're working harder than ever before, but your business and your income, well, they're just not growing like you want them to? Are you putting in more hours every week and seeing essentially the same results? Well, I can tell you, I've been there and I've done that. I learned how to go from 30 grand a year and two weeks off to almost $500,000 a year and five weeks off. We know how to help you grow your business, your time, and your income. This podcast is all about helping you grow. We have top salespeople and business owners sharing their knowledge with you every week and a few times a month, well, I'm going to share specific growth strategies with you as well. So, hey, let's make it happen right now. Here's this week's episode. Misty Waldstein is our guest today on the Business of Sales, and I'm really excited about having Misty with us here today. Misty is the managing partner at Pacific Advisors. Now, Pacific Advisors, you got to know, and, and Misty is too humble to tell you, this is a huge operation. They've got offices in Arizona, Oregon, Oregon, California, Colorado, and the state of Washington. And Misty is in charge of all sorts of things, including the development of the agents and financial reps in those offices. So Misty, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah, Morris, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Oh, me too. And I, uh, let's just start with the book. Okay. Misty wrote a book and the title of the book is Box That Bitch. <laughs> I love that title, Box That Bitch. That's fantastic. Misty, tell us about the book. Where did it come from? Where did that title come from? <laughs> yeah, so so actually I was I was speaking for an industry association, uh, Gamma, which Morris, I know you and I have talked about um, offline. And I was originally expected to do a breakout. And about a week before the conference, uh, my partner, my boss at the time, my partner now, Kelly, called me and said, uh, we had a, a main stage spot open up. We would love for you to do main stage. We just really think this content is something everyone needs to hear. And and uh, I freaked out. <laughs> and I was like, no way. I'm not ready. You know, speaking to 100 people is very different than speaking to a couple of thousand on main stage. Right. And um and I had a really, really hard time. In fact, in my rehearsal, I started crying <laughs> and I was like, I can't do this. There's no way. And, um, you know, I had some really great coaching and, and when I got on stage and I started uh, sharing the content, a lot of that content actually ended up in the book. I had just kind of, I was talking about that, that inner gremlin, right? That, that person in your mind that's always telling you all the reasons why something won't work versus, you know, why it will. And, and I just kind of off the cuff said, I've been boxing that bitch for the last two days because of all the rehearsal <laughs> drama I had. And I that really landed with the audience. Like they started roaring in laughter. And then I was like, if I ever write a book, I'm going to have to call it that because it just, you know, resonated with people. So that's where the title came from. Oh, I love it. That's absolutely fantastic. And, and you've actually named the bitch, right? I have. Her name is Lucy. Um, I, I think that when you name your inner voice, it um, kind of humanizes it and, and separates it a little bit from you, right? Like this isn't me talking. This is this, you know, jerk face that's, that lives in my mind. And, and when I had shared that, um, 
you know, after the, after the presentation, I had so many people come up to me, men and women that were like, Oh, I've named mine too. And their name is X, Y, Z. So it was really <laughs> cool to hear that. I wasn't the only crazy person naming uh, the inner voice in my head. So I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. So are you winning? Are you winning against Lucy today? Most days today. Yes. Today. Yes. <laughs> Today's been a great day. Most days. But, um, I definitely, you know, people always ask me like, do you have to box that bitch? So I'm like every day or at least oh, every yeah. other day for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Never goes that. away. Look, a quick break in the conversation because I got something for you. You want to grow your business and you don't want to have to work 60 or 80 hours a week to do it. Is that right? Well, I bet it is because most of the folks that I talk to tell me they're working too much for too little in return. Would you like to tap into some of the great ideas and concepts that can help you grow your business and help you get off that plateau where, you know, everything seems to be the same, same work, same people, same results? Well, we can help you do just that. Each week, we'll put a brief but practical idea in your inbox that you can use to help you grow and run your business more effectively and efficiently. All you have to do is go to www.morrissims.com forward slash free audio. You know how that works. It's all one word. www.morrissims.com forward slash free audio. When you do, just drop your email address in and then we'll immediately give you a download of a free audio that you can listen to whenever you want to, whatever works best for you. This week's audio is a boatload of concepts and practical ideas on marketing and prospecting and creating that consistent stream of prospects for your business. Pause the business of sales and go to www.morrissims.com forward slash free audio and get your free audio download. Right now, let's get back to the show. Your, your subtitle is Sil Silence Your Inner Jerk and Make Your Mind Work for You Instead of Against You. And there, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight chapters in the book. It's a real easy read. It's a, it's a very clean, very fast read that is just packed with stuff that you can use. I, I love the word practical, Misty. It's very, very practical stuff information, concepts that people can use to help them in their work and in their daily life everywhere with their family and everywhere else and do it every day. Now, of all of those eight topics, which ones are most important in your mind? Well, look, I mean, I think all of them are important, right? Or else I wouldn't have included them in the book. I, <laughs> right. I think they all build each on each other to some extent. But I think for me, where it starts is vision. And knowing exactly what you want for your life, because I found for me at least, and I think this is true of a lot of people in the world, we kind of get on this hamster wheel of responsibilities, right? It's I got to go to work and I've got, you know, if you have children or, or family members you care for and I've got to do that and I've got to do this. And we never really think about like, is this what I want life to look like in three years or five years or 20 years? Like, what does that look like? So for me, vision was always number one, because how do you get there if you don't know where you want to go? Right. Yes. And you can't make changes in your world if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish. So begin with the end in mind, a huge concept from Stephen Covey, which, you know, I know a lot of people love him and, and what he's taught us. And so vision for me is, I think, always the most important. And, and actually chapter four is one of my favorites, because I think from a personal perspective, it's been the most transformational for me, which is deliberate creation, like deliberately planning your time and what you do with it mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and making sure that, you know, what your days look like 
coincide with what that vision looks like. Because if I say I, you know, I want to be a healthy, active, engaged mother and I'm eating crappily and, you know, not spending time with my kids, like my day to day isn't supporting that. So, but I think a lot of us really struggle with managing our time. And so um, that's been really powerful for me and the teams that I lead. I love a piece that Darren Hardy puts out there. It's called Sunday Planning. You can Google it and find it. He talks about oh, an interview he had with this guy that ran all these big multi-million dollar businesses who said, let me just tell you one thing. This is what it takes. And to boil that all down to, to 15 seconds, find your three top strategies, the three most important things you need to do in your business Focus on those three things during the week. In fact, set aside days to work on those things each week, plan out each day, because at the end of the day, your plan for tomorrow may be different, but it's easy to tweak that plan rather than to start with a blank piece of paper. And he basically says everything you put in your daily plan has to support one of those three key strategies. So I I am right there with you, Misty. I think that's if not the most important thing that we've got to be able to do as business owners, it certainly is right up there at the top. I love that. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I, I use the personal example, but it's true of our business life too, right? Like if I want to hit a certain goal financially or, you know, from, you know, whatever XYZ metric and I'm not doing the things to support that, it gets lost, right? So, and then you go years sometimes and go, how did I not hit that? Oh, well, I wasn't doing the things I needed to do. Yeah, because it comes right back down to what we can control and what we can't control. Those things we can control, we control with our behavior, with what we choose to do all day long. How does using your mind impact that? Look, the whole book is essentially about, you know, your brain and um, and the power of it. And, and I am a statistics freak. I love learning about statistics, right? And, and so you see the statistic in the book and, and uh, that the average, you know, human has about 30,000 thoughts a day, right? Which is a lot of thoughts if you think about it. And 80% of those thoughts are negative, right? So we're constantly looking for the negative. We are hardwired to have a negativity bias and look for the, the things that are going to go wrong or the, you know, and it, it was a protection mechanism a long time ago to make sure we didn't get killed by some wild animal or something like that. And 95% of those thoughts are repetitive, meaning we say we think of the same thing tomorrow that we thought of today and that we thought of yesterday. And so we are just in these like a vicious cycle of negative thoughts over and over and over. Right. And when I started to learn that through conferences, I went to and books, I read and things like that. I got really, really intrigued by how do you control that? Because if that's the case, if that's what the average is, how do I you know, rise above that? How do I become better than average? And so I really started doing as many conferences as I could on the human brain and the mind-body connection and, and you know, how do we focus? And so I've learned a lot of tools. All of those tools are, are in the book that, that helped me. But you know, if you look at elite athletes, most of the ones that are like at the very, very top of their game they're not necessarily the strongest or the fastest or the most, most skilled at the physical part. They have the mental game locked down. They don't choke right at, at uh, intense opportunities. Um, and they talk about that. So I took a lot of inspiration from, you know, athletes as well. It's incredible. Psycho cybernetics is a book that I've loved for years by Maxwell Maltz. And it's been rewritten over the last five years. I think, you know, he talks about having a, an athlete, a basketball player, uh, a group that actually went out and practiced free throws versus the group that sat and thought about making free throws. 
And yes. when they tested them, the ones that thought about it, obviously, did better than the ones who went out and practiced it every day. It's just, it's incredible what our mind can do. And that, I think, also comes back to where you were talking about visualization and where that that really, really does help. Now, I've had people, when I talk about visualization, Misty, they say, Morris, all you're telling me to do is go daydream. Give me a break. How do you, how do you respond to that? Well, look, I, I don't think it's daydreaming because I've seen it transform in my own life. I, it's so funny. I, I just got a new computer a couple of months ago. And so I was transferring all the files and doing that stuff. And, and in cleaning up those files, I looked back at some really, really old files. So I've been in this business almost 15 years. It'll be 15 years in just three months or four months. And uh, I, I found a vision statement that I had written my very first year in the business, right? That was like part of the project of my onboarding at my old firm. And it was a three to five year vision statement. And I, and I look back and I accomplished every single thing that was on that list. Right. And then I've looked back at other vision statements that I've had and I've accomplished all those things. So I don't, I don't, I don't see vision planning as daydreaming. I see it as getting hyper clear on what you want your life to look like and having the ability to go after it. Now, actually I talk about it in the book that, uh, goal setting and goal getting are very different things, right? So you can set goals all day long, but goal getting or getting that to happen has to be done with your legs, right? Like you have to create an environment for yourself. You have to think about the activities that you need to do to get to those things. It's not just about creating the vision. It's about then strategically thinking about what are the things that I need to do to make this a reality, my mentor and, and I guess really best friend in the world says it this way. He says, you've got to be able to take that thinking and have it go 12 inches down to your heart. And then it's got to be able to go the rest of the way down to your feet, because it's not until you actually start moving that you're going to get toward what it was you were thinking about. A hundred percent. Totally. Right. Goal getting good done with your legs and your feet. Right. And and I look, I, I know that there's a lot of people out in the world that believe in just like visualization and manifestation and it'll just happen and the universe will just deliver. And I don't know, I'm not smart enough to know if that's true or not true. But for me, um, I like to create the the action plan with the goal planning, right? Or with the vision. So. Oh, I agree. I think you, you got to have that vision for the future. You got to know what you want. If you don't know what you want and why you want it, then yeah, it's it. You're never gonna get there because you don't know where you're going. Uh, it's it's like that totally. proverbial ship without a rudder that Earl Nightingale talks about. It, you gotta yeah. know what you're shooting for. You gotta know what you're fishing for. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's it's you're never gonna get there. It just isn't gonna work. That's for darn sure. And I agree with you. Sorry, the the manifestation stuff just just doesn't work for me. I think you still have to go out and do the work. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I, I feel like putting the vision out to the ether maybe maybe will help, but then like go go do it. And actually, I think you you touched on something really important about that you have to get it to your heart to know the why. Because you know, I think so often we set goals based off of what we think society says we should have, or what our mentor or boss or whatever tells us, or our parents or whatever. And if that isn't really in our hearts, it's not really what we want. We're never going to get there because we're never going to work hard enough. Right. And I, I talk about this push versus pull concept. Like if your vision is strong enough, you won't really have to push towards it because it's going to pull you. You're going to be excited to get up and do those things that, that you're wanting to do if it's truly your vision and in your heart. So I think that why is even more important than the what long-term. Oh, I agree completely. It's that why that gets you up in the morning and causes you to put your feet on the cold floor 
It's that why that makes you pick up the phone and make that one more call before you go home. It's that why that causes you to get out there and go introduce yourself to somebody that you don't know today that you want to know. It fuels the whole thing. I like to teach folks that your why has to be wrapped in passion and fueled with emotion. Because when it's wrapped in passion and fueled with emotion, it fuels you to do what you have to do. Couldn't agree more. It's, it's just a lot of fun. I, I love talking about this stuff, if you can't tell. <laughs> it makes my day. I just, I think it is so vitally important. And it took me years to come to that conclusion that it, it really does come down to what you think about. We become what we think about. And that's, mm-hmm. that's golly, that's the basis of the whole, that's the way the good Lord made us. I'm sorry. It's, it's, not, it's not a philosophy. It's not a thing. It's, it's fact. It's the way the human body is made and the, the way the human soul and, is created. So, hey, that's, that's just all part of the deal. When you talk about vision, Misty, there, there are all sorts of things that come along and you're thinking about where you want to go and what you're going to do. And again, positive and negative thinking comes into play, but can you really get rid of all the negatives? Is that really possible? Is that even something that, that could be done? So I used to think that I could, right? I mean, when I first started this journey and learning about the human mind and how it works, I was like, sweet, I've got all these tools and now these negative thoughts are never going to pop off. And I'm a hundred percent in control and this is going to be so amazing. Right. And I would get down on myself because I had all the tools. I had the knowledge. My logical brain knew these things yet these thoughts kept coming up. Right. And I'd be frustrated with myself. And then, and then the negative thought would be even stronger. Like, Oh, you're so stupid. Like, how do you not get this? You know it. Why are you still doing it? Right. And so, so then it, it took me learning first of all, about the subconscious mind and how much more powerful our subconscious mind is than our conscious mind. So our subconscious mind, this logical conversation, Morris, you and I are having right now, our subconscious is a million times more, a million, right? Like I didn't make that up. That's what neuroscientists say, a million times more powerful than than our conscious mind. And so it's like, you know, an ant versus an elephant. And I try to, you know, kind of beat my conscious mind into believing all these things that maybe my subconscious mind doesn't believe. So I learned a lot about the power of the subconscious mind and that that is going to rear its head, right? And you can't necessarily just cut those off. You can take steps to quiet the negative thoughts. You can take steps to change your subconscious thoughts and what you really believe. Um, But the first thing I did is to just acknowledge those thoughts, So once I could acknowledge them, it could pivot. But when I wasn't even knowing that I was having negative thoughts, like it just seemed like, you know, well, this is a fact. Well, no, it's not necessarily a fact. That's an opinion of my subconscious mind. So now I work to just acknowledge when I'm having that negative thinking and then pivot and say, okay, I hear you. I hear what you're saying, but now we're going to pivot this and transform it into a solution or something like that. So pivoting has been, you know, really powerful for me. So you can put Lucy in the corner, but you can't make her shut up completely. She doesn't shut up completely ever. No. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And she works really hard to get out of the corner, right? It's like when I put my three-year-old in the corner and for a timeout, like he just, you know, he works really hard to get out. Same thing with Lucy. So. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. You know, the other thing that seems to to come up from time to time when I'm I'm trying to to help my clients and others with these particular concepts is that they look at say, Morris, what am I supposed to do? How is thinking gonna change the fact that XYZ is happening in my life right now? And it's you know, yeah. the, the home office has changed the way I get compensated. I lost my job, 
uh, all those things that are out there. How does how does positive thinking help me when the world seems to be crashing around me? Look, I think that living in the COVID, this COVID world has brought that issue up for all of us, right? And I think that the only thing that we can control is our reactions and our choices. If we can't control the event itself, the only thing we can control is our reaction, right? And there are always choices. There are always different paths that you can take regardless of what circumstances that you have. So as an example, I have a dear friend of mine who, you know, experienced some, you know, very traumatic violence, sexual violence, and could have taken the stance of like, this happened to me, it's an awful thing. And now I'm depressed. And I'm just, you know, like, she could, she could have gone down a very, very dark path. And instead, she said, I'm going to use my voice to help mentor others and to help pass legislation. And to make sure that this doesn't happen to other people in the future or minimize, right? So she made a choice to use her terrible, awful experience that no one should ever have to go through to transform the world, right? And and I think that that we we had those choices with COVID. You know, it's hard to be locked down in your home. It's hard to not be able to go away, right? And go dine out and do the things that you want to do. But what can you do with that time instead? So I think that if you can look at a scenario, if you lost your job and say, okay, like what changes do I need to make in my life? Do I need to go back to school and get more knowledge? Do I need to, you know, move? Like, what are the things that I need to do to make this better for me in the long run? And um, so you can't, again, you know, just to summarize, you can't necessarily change the, the, the event that happened to you, but I do believe that you have a choice on how you react to that event. Oh, absolutely. And it's, in my time as an executive at, at New York Life, there were times when we would have to change staffing around. And I had to, to get to that point with a couple of my staff members where I had to say, you know, it's, it's, it's time for you to go find something else that you can do. And it's not going to be here at New York Life. And mm-hmm. because of reductions in staff and those kind of things, it was very traumatic for them. And it was traumatic for me, but not, not as much as it was for them. The fact is this. Years later, sometimes, certainly months later, but sometimes years later, we would get together for whatever reason, and to a person, they have thanked me and said, you know what, that started me on a new path, it opened a new door for me that I would never have gone down unless the company had gotten to that position and I had, had been able to find a reason to, to have to move on. And it, yes. it to a person, Misty, they are, they are all happy that it happened by the time it's all over with. I think the other thing that goes along with this very concept is being hyper um, aware of what you allow in your mind, what to infiltrate your mind and who you hang out with because toxic thoughts and toxic people are contagious. So if your whole circle of people are the ones that are going to give you all the negativity around XYZ events, right? Like, oh yeah, you should be super upset about that. Or I would be so upset and I would do, I would do XYZ. I would do, I would do whatever. Like you're going to spiral down even further. Right. But if you surround yourself with people that are going to help you see the positive or help you see the light or help you navigate it at least, um, I really recommend that because, you know, it's contagious on both fronts, right? Positive or negative is contagious. And so, you know, choose to to have people that are positive in your life. I've actually cut some people out of my life that just everything was negative. And, and that's not who I choose to be as a human. And, and I, I don't want to surround myself with people like that. 
And it's not when that happens, it's not like you're going to call them up and say, hey, look, I don't like you anymore and I don't ever want to hang out with you. Don't call me right. anymore, right? That's not how it happens, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just you find other You drift reasons. apart. You just drift apart, right? Yeah. You hang yeah. out a little bit less. You, you find ways to put... Look, most of those people, in my experience, they actually make the the decision to go away because when, when they want to fuel negative conversations and you just don't partake in them, you just say, you know, like, well, let's think of the positive spin or whatever. They don't want to be around you, right? So usually they're the ones that drift apart on their own and then it makes it really easy. So It does. It does. You're, you're, you're right on target. That's for sure. Hey, misery loves company. And if you're not joining the party, they don't want to be around you. Right? So... <laughs> I love it. Yes, that's absolutely right. Hey, Misty, there's one other thing in, in the book. There are actually a couple other things. I could do this all afternoon. But one that, <laughs> that I did want to ask you about is the whole idea of defining your own worth. Uh, that, to me, is is uh, something I've had to really get a handle on because my life, majority of my life, I, my worth was all wrapped up in what somebody else thought about me. If, if the, if the boss said, gee, more, she did a good job. Then I felt really good about myself. But if I didn't get that praise, then boy, howdy, my Lucy would come to play really, really mm -hmm. hard. How do you define your own yeah. worth? Yeah. Look, I think that, I think that that's always been an issue, but I think that's even more critical of an issue today in the social media environment where our entire lives are exposed to others and, and we can see everyone else's and, and, you know, in a world where everyone's looking at how many likes their picture got or how many views on YouTube or whatever, it becomes really easy to place your worth in other people's power, right? Um and I think that we have to get really clear on not doing that. And, and for me, um, and it's not like I don't struggle with that still too, right? I definitely look to see if a business post I put got enough views or whatever, like, am I doing the right marketing game? So it's not like it goes away. But um, one of the things that, that, that I've tried to do is, is first define my values. Like, who do I want to show up as, as a human in this life? And am I living by those values? And and every day, if I'm, whether it's in work or personal life or whatever, do I feel like I've succeeded in, you know, staying true to those values? And if the answer is yes, then I feel really good about myself, right? Like, because my worth is defined by the things that, that I want to be, right? Like, I want to laugh a lot. I want to learn. I want to give back more to the world than, than I take. And if I feel like I've done that, um, it, it's really, really helpful, um, so I don't know if that helps answer your question, Morris, but for me, I just, I defined who I wanted to be as a human through my values and my vision and my mission. And if, if I feel like I'm making, I reflect a lot, like I reflect every day at the end of the day, I reflect, you know, every week at the end of the week and I do a monthly reflection. So when I do that daily, weekly and monthly reflection, it really helps me kind of internalize, am I doing the things that I want to do? And if I feel like there's someone, a boss or whoever, that's not giving me uh, the signs that I want, then I'll talk about that with communication, right? Like I think that we don't do a great job communicating to others. And if we could reach out to whoever that is, a boss, a partner, a spouse and say like, Hey, this is really important to me. I want to be able to have these conversations with you. Um, and if they don't buy into that, well, maybe that's not the right employer for you or, you know, the right department or, or whatever. So anyways, I think by defining it and then having clear communication, it, it lessens the effect of that. 
Mr. You've given us such great practical ideas that we can use today to change our lives. Thank you so much for your book, Box That Bitch. I know it's available on Amazon. I just Googled it again this morning, and boy, howdy, it's the first thing that pops up when you Google or when you when you go on Amazon and search for Box That Bitch. Misty's the first thing that comes up. It's great. So, hey, go get the book, put it on your Kindle, grab a copy of it, and, and read this thing. It It's going to help you. It really, really is. And Misty, just thank you so much for being with us here today. Yeah, I appreciate that so much, Morris. I, I really hope that, you know, my my goal with writing the book was to be practical. We've all we've all read, you know, 500-page books that were inspirational, but you, you leave the book going, okay, but now what do I do with that? Right? <laughs> we're like, I'm inspired, but I have no idea how to like move forward. And that was not my goal with the book. I wanted it to definitely have some inspiration, but like actual practical tips. Everyone's busy. No one has time. Um, and there is an audible version too. So if you're like me, I don't read a lot of physical books anymore. I just listen to books as I get ready. There is an audible version and, uh, the narrator tree, she's amazing and funny. And, and, uh, hopefully it's only like a four hour listen. So that's fantastic. Again, Misty, thank you so much. And for everybody else out there, hey, go out there and make it a great week. Go out there and do something you didn't get to do before. Go out there and do something that's new and different. Take a risk. Make it great. And you can do it. I'll see you next time right here on the Business of Sales. <laughs>